Well, I mentioned this at the first service, but I know this has nothing at all to do with my salvation, but I'm glad the Seahawks won. <laughs> you know, it just, you all be a little cranky if that wasn't the case. You know what I'm saying? I have to be here kind of pumping you up, but you're on all cylinders. You sound very much as good as the first service and you're singing. In fact, there's something going on right over here that I rather liked. And so there was some good harmony going on. So good job on the singing tonight. Well, we have been doing something special as a church, and we've been making our way through what we're calling the Songs of Christmas. And on the surface, you might think, well, you know, we're singing about Christmas carols. No, what we mean is the original songs that are recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So here's what the Gospel writer of Luke does. He does something that nobody else does. All the Gospel writers just write about the story. And in Luke's case, he says there's four characters that have a poem or a song that is related to their story about the Christmas, or about Christmas. We covered Mary's song, so she had a song that came from her once she realized that she was pregnant from God. There was Zechariah, a priest, who realized he was going to have a baby, which was John the Baptist. He had a song related to his life. And now tonight we have maybe the most iconic song of all. It's the song of the angels. And the angels are coming to the shepherds. We've heard about that twice tonight. Hadley just read that story to us, and we actually heard it in the children's story. But the angels come in order to meet the shepherds and talk about the birth of Jesus. In fact, you might even consider that like a birth announcement. Denise and I, like most parents, have two kids, and we had birth announcements for both of them. I can remember 30 years ago, my son was born, and we put out a birth announcement. You know, you've done that before if you have children. Maybe it's a card, a postcard, or maybe some kind of a letter, but it gives all the demographics about this child that's come into the world. Well, Denise and I did that, and we decided we were going to have a little fun with ours, a little jest with ours. And so we put out a letter, and this, in order to give some context, I have to take you back. 30 years ago, we lived in Colorado, and it was the Colorado Rockies' inaugural season at Coors Field. They were an expansion team of Major League Baseball. And so we thought, you know, we can tie the birth somehow to this event in our city. And so we wrote about John's birth, and we gave his birth weight, and we gave how big he was, and what time he was born, and the fact that mom is doing well. All of those demographics came in the letter. But we said there's one other thing. First time ever in Major League history, the Colorado Rockies have issued a contract to John Boone to join their team when he is 18 years old. And we had friends that, you know, well, that was a good one. And they emailed us back or texted us back. Oh, that's funny. That's a good one. But my mom got the letter. <laughs> and my mom, being the proud grandma that she was, trotted that letter out to all of her friends and said, can you believe it? My, son, my grandson is now a major league baseball player. <laughs> she just, she took the whole thing. And, you know, we're like, and she, so she calls. Now, did it really happen? You know, I was like, Mom, what do you think? Well, I think it probably did. He's probably that good. Then, no, Mom, no, Mom. It was a joke. She's like, oh, man, I've got to go back to all my friends now and tell them that it really didn't happen. 
My mom passed away about two months ago, and that is one of the things that we love about my mom so much is that she just believed in her family, all the way to maybe to the edge of gullibility, but she believed in her family. I bring up birth announcement tonight because the story of shepherds in a field receiving angels at night is God's version of a birth announcement for his son. That's what this really is. It's a birth announcement. And God does it in splendid style like nobody else can. And God's version of a birth announcement for his son is different, I'm contending, than anything you and I would ever do. There are some surprises in the way God goes about it. That's what I want to talk to you about briefly tonight. There's four surprises in this story. Let's make our way through it. The first surprise is the place. It is a place where sheep are on mountains outside of Bethlehem. It's remote. It's a no place. In fact, if you go to Bethlehem today, I've been there twice, and you go try to find the mountain where the shepherds were, it's a fool's errand. Nobody really knows where it is. Now, again, some people claim they know where it is. And by the way, when you come here, we'd like to sign you things, some things too. So, you know, again, there's a shop there, a market there. But nobody really knows where this spot is. Let me tell you, that's not the way birth announcements are given with royalty today. In fact, in Jesus' day, it wasn't even the way that a birth announcement would be given or the place that it would be given because, again, if you were somebody important, in the Roman world especially, then your birth announcement was happening in the Senate forum among senators, important people, not in this outdoors place that's far away from anybody. And so, again, this is something that's very, very different in the way that God goes about it. Let me give you a modern-day example. Here is the spot where a birth announcement happens in Great Britain. If there's a birth of a royal family uh, member who has a baby, then this golden easel is brought out. All the demographics of the birth are placed on that little plaque right there, and it's in front of Buckingham Palace. It stays there for a prescribed amount of time, and then that little announcement right there that's framed is taken by special courier with pomp and circumstance to the queen herself. And so again, that's where it happens, is at Buckingham Palace. God doesn't see fit to tell his story of his son to Buckingham Palace. In fact, if I'm going to put in any words that we could all understand, God chooses Arlington over Seattle. That, that's what he does. I mean, little Arlington. I'm like, what's going on in Arlington? I got nothing down on Arlington. I'm just saying, it ain't Seattle. And so again, that's what God does. Is he says, I'm choosing this backwater spot where I'm going to announce the birth of my son. All right, let's move forward. There's another surprise. The next surprise is the people. And that people is closely tied to the place. So probably the birth announcement happens at the place because it's the people that God really wants to communicate the message to. And in this case, it's the lowly shepherds. They're considered the outcasts of society. They're the lowest people on the totem pole. They're the people that, again... It's notable when they enter the room because you probably smell them first. There's not many showers that are out there on the rugged mountains around Bethlehem. And so these individuals are, again, considered not somebody you'd invite to the party, but God does. 
In fact, God gives preference to the shepherds or the lowly people more than he does the power brokers. That's the way God goes about things. If we were going to put it in today's language, God is showing favor or he's giving the birth announcement to sanitation workers and fast food workers and daycare workers. It's all the people who have steady work, but it's done in the background where not many people see it. And that's something that God does repeatedly throughout the scriptures. As he says, you know, the people that are really going to hear my message and want to hear my message are the people that have a level of spiritual poverty. They're the people that know they have a need. And if you don't really have much of a need, and you're pretty self-sufficient, then the message may not sound that good to you. But if you're a person in the category with the shepherds, then wow, we're all ears, we want to hear that. So the people are a surprise. The location or the place is a surprise. The people's a surprise. Third, the messengers are a surprise. And the messengers are first one angel and then a host of angels, meaning many angels. And so one angel comes and he says, hey, this is the way this is all going to go down. The shepherds hear it. This is where you're going to find the baby. But no sooner does he finish than a host of angels fills the entire sky. I want you to notice something. Most of the time in the Bible, an angel appears one at a time to somebody. So think about it. Joseph has an angel appear to him and says, marry that woman. It's going to be a good thing for you. Mary has an angel that comes to her and says, you're pregnant, but you know that's not natural, supernatural. God's the one who's planted that baby inside of you, carried that baby. And so she has an angel that talks to her. Joseph has an angel that talks to him. But it's very rare that there's more than one. This is one of those instances where not just more than one, but more than you can count are filling the sky in front of the shepherds. I've got a picture here that I think brings it to, to life. This is a picture from Daniel Bonnell. He's an artist in Atlanta. He painted this in 2011. And it's a little abstract. Maybe that's why it works so well for me, is that you can see that the sky is just beginning to fill with angelic hosts so numerous you can't even count. And there's so much light that's emanating out of the sky, greater than any fireworks thing you might ever imagine today. It's just so lit up, and it's just bathing everything around it in light. One of the other things I want you to notice about the scriptures and what they say is that all of those angels were doing something in unison. They were singing, glory to God in the highest. And that's what they were singing repeatedly. You could just hear that, that sound that was just echoing from the sky and just draining itself all over the earth in sound. And it was beautiful. I thought this week to myself, when is the time that I have sung with the most people ever? Well, I have to take myself back. 1996, I was on the mall, the large, expansive area, right in front of the Congress. You know, it's that square area where there's the reflecting pool and all that. Well, that's the area where I had gone, 1996, and it was for Promise Keepers. And it was a men's movement at that time that was about manhood and about being a better father and being about a better husband and about being you know, a better worker, about being just on point for God. And I met with hundreds of thousands of men, I don't know how many, on the mall. As far as I could see this way and that way on the mall, there were men. And we were all singing in unison in praise to God. Uh, let me tell you, it was, it was something to remember. 
and the, just the, the voices that were in unison were more than I had ever heard. Here's what I'm here to tell you. The angelic host that night with the shepherds made our singing sound puny. That's how important it was to God. That's how big it was to God, is that the messengers themselves would carry weight about what God thinks about the arrival of his son. There's one more thing I want you to see that's a surprise in this story. And the final surprise is the message. We've got the place that's a surprise, the people that's a surprise, the messengers that are a surprise. Now we've got the message itself that is a surprise. The angels declare good news of great joy. A Savior has been born. And this word, good news, is a word that's used all over the Bible. The word is gospel. And gospel means the message about Jesus that's contained within Jesus. Jesus is the gospel message, and he is the one that declares this good news of gospel message. And so Jesus is the one that's come on the scene that's going to be all of this. The angels tell about a baby that's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. The shepherds are going to find him in a manger, and he is going to be the one who's going to usher in peace. Now, what does he mean by that? Does he mean that everybody on earth is just going to be peaceful suddenly? Well, one day maybe. But what he's really talking about is he's bringing peace in the most important sphere between God and people. And the problem is, is that we have broken that peace with God. We had that peace back in the garden, but we broke it because we preferred sin. We preferred our own way. I'll handle my own life. Thank you. I need none of you, God. And so in our rebellion, we created that break. Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, is coming on the scene to remedy the deepest problem that we have, the problem of sin and death. Jesus comes to forgive. Jesus comes to restore. And that is what's happening with him as he's coming. Now, I want you to notice in the passage that it says, peace will rest upon those on whom God's favor rests. So God's favor is what's bringing this peace to us. What does he mean by that? Well, he's saying for the individuals who have Christ, for the individuals who are, are finding that baby, then suddenly favor, God's favor is the one, is, is now the, upon them. They're the ones that are the receiving that favor. And it's no longer a matter of their effort. It's not a matter of how good they are, but it's a matter of how good they, God has been to them and them receiving that. Uh, peace is, given, is, is what's given by God's favor, and salvation is what's given by God's favor. And I love the way Mark Twain puts this. Here's the way Mark Twain puts it. Heaven, if heaven goes by favor, if it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would go in. And there's a lot of truth in that, because we all have dogs that are pretty dog, doggone faithful to us. But that's not what God's doing here. He's not saying it comes by your merit or how much you've done. It comes by favor through Christ. There's an old story once upon a time. There was an old man that lived and he died. And he went to heaven and the angel Gabriel met him there. And he said, uh, well, hey, I'm here. And the angel Gabriel said, welcome. Uh, let me tell you how this works. He said, uh, you need to get 100 points to get into heaven. You're going to tell me some of the things you've done in your life. And then I'll tell you how many points you get for that. He said, okay. He said, well, the first thing, probably my biggest one. I was faithful to my wife of 50 years. I never, I, I never even looked at another woman. I was faithful to her to the end. The angel said, man, that is fantastic. 
I'm worth three points. Three points? That's like a big portion of my life. Well, how about this? I was a part of the church. I served in that church. I gave to that church. I was, I was in all along at one point. One point? You've got to be kidding. I'm getting a little worried now. He says, well, I've saved some big guns for the last. He said, I also ran a homeless shelter, and every holiday season, we fed thousands of homeless people. He says, that's worth two points. Two points? I, I don't know what to do with this. At, at this measure, the only way I'm ever going to get into heaven is by the grace of God. And the angel Gabriel said, with that, welcome in. <laughs> that's what this favor of Jesus means is that it's futile to say I can do anything about earning that or anything about deserving that. It's by this grace of God that's come to us in order that we might be made right. You see, favor is given freely by God, but it's like a Christmas present. I think some of you will be opening presents Tonight, maybe tomorrow. And here's one of the things that you'll notice about every present that you receive. That present has been probably wrapped nicely or put inside of a bag of some kind. It's going to be given. But in order for the present to have its impact, it must be received. It must be unwrapped. It must be taken in. It must be consumed, taken, say, yes, thank you for that. And, you know, use it in some way. A present that is just given but never received, it, it, it doesn't have its completion. And so God is coming into the world and he's saying, I'm giving my son. <laughs> and I'm giving him with some pretty big background, with some pretty big message behind it. But you're the ones that have got to receive that message. That's got to come home to you. It's got to, it's got to settle in in some way. It's got to mean something. And so that's what... God is doing in this Christmas message by announcing the birth of his son is he's offering his son. For some of you, maybe that's the first time you've ever really said, wow, okay, Christmas is not about the presence or Christmas is not just even about the arrival of Christ, but it's about the completed work of Christ and what's going to happen with him. He is born a baby, but he's born for a purpose, and that purpose is a cross for you and me. And tonight I'm going to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus if you've never done that before. Well, tonight we've learned about the birth of Jesus, full of surprises, countercultural to the hilt, and God does things in his own way, different than any of the way that you and I might do that. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy, and I hope you are a part of that. Let's pray. Father, tonight we are gathered together with each other and millions of other churches around the world to celebrate Jesus. Tonight, Lord, we've heard the message yet again that you think your son's a pretty big deal and is needed in our lives. And maybe there are some here tonight who've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe tonight's the night to say, I understand he's given his life for me. His life that is now renewing my life. And so I'm saying yes to Jesus. I want you, Jesus, as my Savior and the Lord or leader of my life. It's that simple. Lord, for the rest of us, tonight, 
is a joyous occasion. It's singing, it's family, it's food, it's presence, all centered around the gift of your son, Jesus. We love you. You're worthy of our worship. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.